Hello, and thank you for joining us today for Frost & Sullivan's latest webinar. Today's event is titled Connected Car Outlook, Growth Opportunities, Technology, and Trends. My name is Anna, and I receive Frost & Sullivan's Growth Innovation and Leadership Briefings. Today's presenters are Krishna J. Raman, Program Manager for Connected Car and Auto IoT, Narajan Manohar, Research Manager, Connected Car and Auto IoT, and joining us today is Raj Paul, Regional Industry Business Leader, Automotive Americas with Microsoft. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Krishna. Thank you so much, Anna. Um, a very good morning, afternoon, and good evening to one and all present and joining today from different locations uh, across the globe. Uh, gives me a great pleasure and opportunity. Uh, so we've decided upon three segments uh, for today's presentation. The first section, uh, more about the overview of the connected car landscape and the market, um, and then uh, going in a bit of depth of the five themes that we will discuss about connectivity market, connected car market taken by Niranjan, and of course, and uh, we will hand it over to Raj uh, for speciality of Microsoft and automotive sector. So with that, let me just begin uh, uh, on from my side on the idea about market landscape in connected cars. So the first one, um, I think you know uh, we've we've seen this from the likes of uh, Daimler calling it case. Uh, it's it's all about convergence and how exactly different pillars of of this automotive sector are coming together. Now, I often joke, uh, you know, in which kind of society do we live in, which is utopian or dystopian, and how exactly is the belief in these pillars when we speak in an automotive sector particularly. But for us, as Frost & Sullivan, CASE is a unified, single concept where each of these pillars come together and then and bring us newer business models. Now, the first pillar that I would like to talk about is a bit on electrics. So we've seen quite a bit of influx on the electric vehicle side. So we've seen the cars coming up with 200 and 300 mile range. But what exactly is the next step? Well, we believe the next step is more on a dedicated electric platform, which, you know, I would say is, is being represented by the likes of Tesla or even the MEB platform from Volkswagen. Coming to the second pillar and the crux of our today's presentation, which is connectivity. Now, so far, uh, what, what has happened is that we've, we as an industry have defined certain connected services, and we have seen how exactly these services are interacting with the driver. It has all been about internal connectivity, about a smartphone interfacing inside the car, or the projection of different services through different HMI modules, which is a voice interface, digital assistance, or, or the, the touch or gestures, and then so on and so forth. But where exactly have we headed in the last two to three years is, is on the connectivity outside the vehicle itself. So the first one, obviously, being the vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle connectivity, the, the classic debate about DSRC and cellular V2X here, and essentially bringing uh, the IoT platforms. And I think it, it makes it important how we are headed towards not really connected services inside the car, but an ecosystem of services that a user logs onto. A very classic example that I have here is related to a Google device. You know, Let's say that you have an Android phone. Uh, today's world, you have Android devices in, in your home and then you get inside the car possibly with an Android operating system. Essentially, you're bound to an ecosystem 
and the devices, and car becomes essentially a computing platform similar to the phone, and then we are launching services on top of it. The third pillar is autonomous. Of course, we started off from uh, you know, digital mapping scenarios with, with the likes of Hair and TomTom who've been operating in this space. Then came image processing. Obviously, we have to plan how the car is being moved and the likes of Mobileye operating in this space. And now we are in the phase where we are talking about artificial intelligence becoming the brain of these autonomous vehicles. And eventually, the leap that we want to see, which is you know, possibly we are in a level two to level three scenario and heading towards level five. And when I say that you know, case is a put together single term, the newer business models that will be launched around will be a single connected electric digital vehicle. And this impact is going to be seen in the likes of, of shared mobility. And obviously, we've seen this with, with the Waymo trials that have happened already. So that essentially is, is our vision for the future and connectivity being a catalyst, a pillar, implementing all of this together. I'll move on to the next section that I have. A few things that uh, Frost and Sullivan did and noticed uh, during CES. Obviously, uh, you know, becoming a big automotive platform for all the uh, latest announcements. But I would like to highlight four or five different things. The first thing that, that sticks to all our mind is a marketplace. And what exactly is a marketplace? It's just an evolution of a simple uh, smartphone application store. But what, what is the difference here? It is data infused. Either by the, uh, the data which is produced from the location of the vehicle or the data which is related to the user and personalizing every context that comes to a user. Feature on demand. Now, we've been, as an industry, talking about you know, over-the-air updates and streaming for quite a bit of time. Uh, I know there are physical challenges with respect to the systems and the upgrades that we look at, but eventually all of this is getting simpler. I understand there are implementation challenges, but uh, in, a, in a vision not too far away, we are talking about cars that are going to upgrade itself, and that has been the, the so-called business model opportunity that we notice as well. There are more than... Um, I, I would say more than 30 or 40% of the features are not even used uh, when, when a fully built-up car is used. And how exactly could you switch on and switch off these features and offer certain services on demand to the user is going to be a biggest crux in the automotive industry. Well, there's hands-off HMI, uh, but yeah, we've moved from a scenario where we talk about autonomous vehicles, but it has been about beyond autonomous vehicles now. Now, I understand this is quite a bit futuristic, but uh, we are talking about new surfaces inside the car where the passengers could relate and you know, use different services on. Uh, there, there's mood-based and also emotion-based uh, technologies which are going to calculate or manipulate driver workload. And it, there, there is going to be a new way or new entity which will host a different load of services together. There's always been a constant debate about the Amazon and, and Google-related uh, services. We saw uh, Alexa being aggressive last year, uh, Google with Google uh, Automotive Services, gas solutions, as we call it. Uh, but more on the lines on, on how, like I said before, is, is more an ecosystem proposition and div than car or even a phone becomes an entity in a day-to-day -day world. You're just encompassed as a customer in the ecosystem of Google or even Amazon. Um, data, of course, uh, you know, uh, today the fuel uh, that we talk about for cars is, is not really uh, a petrol or diesel or even, you know, charging. It, it is about data. 
and uh, we're going to talk a lot about this in, in our presentation ahead, but uh, important highlights from Continental on, on, the, on the city data platform. Ford, of course, highlighting there. Um, here with their mobility marketplace was, was another announcement. And last but not the least on the slide is the experience that customer gets eventually when we move towards level four and five of autonomy, curated, personalized experience that we see from content providers who've been operating in the consumer electronics world coming into the cars. So these are the CES highlights. Moving on, what happened exactly in 2018? So the first one that we have uh, is, is there, there's a lot of talk about digital assistance. And you know we say how a voice recognition system from a text-to-speech, speech-to-text has evolved into a digital assistant, and it's becoming bigger. We saw Mercedes launch Hey Mercedes, uh, BMW's intelligent personal assistant, obviously on the Azure platform, Microsoft. Um, we saw Alexa getting into the game with, with deeper integration within the car for vehicular controls as well. But, uh, you know, there, there's been a conjoint uh, uh, knowledge about all of this. We see a lot of different solutions coming in, and uh, we are seeking a one unified solution how voice would become as an entity, not just for convenience, but more than this, which is an access, authentication, and even personalization element to it. We talk about uh, the case strategies and connectivity being you know, one of the important elements to it. And more than anything else, it is to see that how B2X is gaining aggressive traction. So we've seen, obviously, the likes of Qualcomm uh, pushing towards uh, the cellular connectivity and a lot of trials happening. Uh, Ford uh, announcing plans about 2021. Um, even you know, the Audi digital uh, traffic light solution being available in 10 cities now are examples on how exactly V2X for day one safety-related services become very, very prominent. Now, uh, talk a little about how Google entered into the domain with uh, Google Automotive Services, Volvo and the Alliance signing up for it. Uh, quite a bit of traction and, and also a little bit of challenge for the mapping solution companies and tier ones who are integrating or either competing in this space. Uh, in the U.S. specifically, um, you know, after obviously you know, telematics control unit is a commodity today, and uh, you know we see that retentions are finally uh, becoming a possible use case, uh, and OEMs finally succeeding with the connected service business portfolio, with the likes of OnStar uh, leading this space. Uh, data monetization, obviously, we will talk a little more in detail about this, but the standout ground in the last year was, was usage-based insurance and the associated use case, again, which is first notification of loss, which sells uh, the biggest way uh, possible, though the market for usage-based insurance has been really, really niche as of now. Moving on. Um, a quick look on connectivity market. Um, the, the key message here from my side is that Connectivity is becoming ubiquitous. Uh, it's easy. It's you know every car is getting embedded with a TCU, either the e-call in Europe or US already leading the space. But the key question around this is that how many of these cars are actually connected and connected to the server? So that's why uh, you know the average revenue per customer has to increase while the while the car interacts with the cloud continuously and the quality of data feed. So essentially, connectivity becoming a standard. We are going to see even if you know, an average revenue per customer is rated at $80 to $100. That's a huge market that we are trying to address with more than uh, 200 million cars available on road with connectivity. With that, a uh, quick look on the digital connected services. Frost & Sullivan obviously looks into the different angles uh, of, of services. We have split it into different buckets, as we call it, convenience, infotainment, navigation, 
uh, there are you know value-added services and where exactly is this all going so like I said V2X powering the uh, CITS space and, and integration of a lot of new technologies like driver monitoring systems inside the car powering the health wellness and well-being space as well um, the last few slides from my side is on the consumer survey uh, that uh, happened last year. So we went on field in Europe and U.S., uh, specifically for countries in Europe, where more than 2,000 respondents participated, and quite some interesting findings that we came across. Um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, connectivity becoming ubiquitous inside the car, but it was quite, you know, it, it was really interesting to notice that 3 to 10 GB package was the average kind of data package that customers have in Europe. Uh, obviously, not, not a, a big uh, uh, change, but uh, Spotify becoming one of the biggest uh, uh, music streaming service here. A lot to do with digital assistance. A lot of customers have started using it in their homes. We've seen the likes of Alexa in the homes, Google Home Assistant, even Siri getting more prominence. Uh, but one point that I would like to mention here before I move on is, is the fact that more than 60% respondents said that they're actually okay to share their data. And the biggest concern that they have is that they would be spammed, you know, sent marketing emails more than anything else, more than a big brother issue of being tracked. So we know how to attract these customers and how, how we need to incentivize these customers to really get the data on board. So it is a simple philosophy of incentivize to monetize. Similar results, uh, a bit, bit uh, of, of turf, uh, things in, in the U.S. Uh, so we've had, uh, you know, uh, Alexa and Siri, which lead the pack in digital assistance side in the U.S. Uh, again, one, one of the very interesting things is that of all the connected services that OEMs today offer, the hook for a customer is, is a real-time traffic and contextual POI, which sells a lot. So this gives us an idea that when we are unbundling the service and we are letting the customers choose, the real-time traffic is going to be one of the biggest elements for a decision-making for a service purchase in the car. Uh, with that, a uh, quick look at the five themes before I pass on the section to Niranjan. The five themes that I really want you guys uh, who are participating to focus on for the coming year and uh, in the short term to medium term is A, marketplace. Uh, marketplace, like I said, a retail philosophy inside the car, and this will pan out really big in the autonomous scenario when, when you have time to monetize. The second, feature on demand, a lot of traction in this space, especially with respect to hardware upgrades per se. We will talk about this in detail. V2X, there will be finally clarity with cellular gaining prominence, but it's still region-dominated, according to us. Uh, digital assistance, bigger than what you think, than convenience. And finally, data, the fuel for us. So with that, I would like to hand it over to Niranjan uh, for the next segment who would take us in details in these five topics. Thanks, Krishna. Uh, very good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone joining this uh, forum to understand what's happening <clears throat> in the connectivity space. So as Krishna mentioned, uh, we'll look at all the top five themes that we see that are quite prominent or is going to be very important for 2019. So let's kick this off uh, with Marketplace. So what, how do we see marketplace? Like what, what, how do we define marketplace? So it's primarily how to provide on-demand contextual services that kind of range from providing services such as fueling and parking, ordering and paying for food, or booking hotels, uh, navigation to users' destination, or finding connected brands, or even valuable offers with respect to that. But uh, what we have seen is that there are kind of two generations uh, for marketplace. Uh, generation one, uh, we, we, we call it static, 
which is primarily retail applications are kind of fixed on the display and lined up according to the retailer's contribution uh, to the um, online platform, I mean to the uh, platform that's hosting all the retailers. And generation two, which is primarily what, what you'll see in the upcoming vehicles by 2020 or 20, uh, from this year onwards, uh, model year 2020 onwards, could be uh, contextual, meaning that the retail applications are responsive to customers' preferences and they are lined up accordingly. So what do we see in this uh, marketplace that are uh, GM, uh, initially started off uh, providing marketplace uh, last year onwards. I think there are about 3 million vehicles, which, which is at least marketplace enabled um, using the Zevos platform. So how do we see this market kind of panning, right? So we think that the OEMs kind of will leverage white label platform partners, like example, uh, Zevo or Connected Travel or companies like P97 uh, for managing the retailer portfolio and also the functionalities on the marketplace. This will also include the terms and conditions management, impressions, transactions, and also the related UI UX, how the users perceive or have understand the look and feel of the icons on the dash, and also the other related retail offers. And with fuel and drive-through retail, example, when you're picking up your morning coffee or breakfast, parking payment on dashboard or voice-based authentication, um, these features are expected to be a standard going forward. So this will kind of contribute to what we see as a car as a service revenue, which will also be embedded into the OEM telematics or connected services subscription. So the next generation of marketplace, uh, what we think will be voice or digital assistant enabled, um, will bring in more data monetization opportunities through, um, through kind of providing more uh, contextual services for drivers, passengers, and also because uh, even mobility as a service customers where the car is the dominant business model in this case. And also what we see is that uh, there are a lot of talks about saying that marketplace is very, uh, it's very distracting for the driver, but there, there are steps being in place, like for marketplace also limits options to reduce the driver distraction. For instance, when you order Starbucks, a cust uh, Starbucks customer can order from the car while it is being driven, but only a few, few, few choices based on the previous orders will be displayed. And actions that kind of required considerable involvement or clicks, such as booking a hotel uh, room on Priceline, can be executed only when the vehicle is stopped or in the park mode. So moving on, uh, we can look at what are the different in-vehicle payment methods. Uh, this, this slide gives you an overview of what are the different brands or what are the different platforms that are kind of working for marketplace. And we recently saw Honda um, with the Dream Drive kind of telling what they're working with connected travel. So there are two types of payment solutions. First type is kind of the payment ga gateway where they're similar to the internet purchase where you have the credit or the debit card is already registered with registered to a connected app, infotainment marketplace. So every time a transaction is made, a one-time password or a unique password is used for authentication. PayPal and Visa transactions are examples. Um, say GM and Honda are also examples of the first of the kind who use it for fueling and other services. And the second approach that we actually see is the e-wallet. It's like a prepaid wallet solution, which could be topped up and can be used seamlessly. Ford with Ford Pass and Daimler are looking at creating e-wallets for mobility schemes. So from filling fuel to claiming insurance, e-commerce within vehicle is going to be bound with these technologies. And payment solutions are kind of an authentication and authorization platforms consisting of payment gateways such as PayPal, Chase, permit pay payments and banking partners like Visa and mobile wallet providers such as Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, that will also enable the transactions. 
So moving on, let us, let us now look at something that is also very interesting for the connected car space, which is the features on demand. So from a daily usage perspective, more than 30% of the features inside the car are kind of not used by the customers, right? So uh, over-the-air updates has brought in more upgradability to cars that kind of enable few features along, which is done by the likes of Tesla already, and to enable switching on and off of certain features which could be charged or can be used on a recurrent basis. So vehicle and service upgrade offers as our one-time payment subscription services post the sale of the vehicle. That is for the vehicle in use using all their updates and dealership retrofits and updates. So hardware such as sensor suite like ADAS and smart interiors and all of that and systems such as infotainment and navigation are kind of pre-built onto the cars that kind of retrofit at the dealerships with appropriate software, software such as OS, connected services, UI, etc. And activation is primarily on demand in this case. So features on demand um, uh, is, is kind of the key selling point with the car sold and equipped with all the hardware and software, software and it is actually offered over the air update. So infotainment-based service delivery models will be the first to get implemented, such as you say, um, marketplace or office suite, all of that. Photo-based applications uh, like driver seating based on the user preferences will, I mean, is expected to take a longer time in uh, kind of being adopted. So some of the implications that we, can, we see is that most on-demand connected services currently require that the vehicle be parked enable or dis uh, uh, to enable or disable. In the hands-free driving scenarios of the future, features on demand can be availed on the go. So the other part is that one of the key deterrents that the industry is looking at it is uh, the features can pose serious cybersecurity threats and render the vehicle vulnerable to attacks as well. Let us now look at uh, one of the uh, key examples that we saw from CES this year. So while most of the traditional OEMs have blamed their vehicle architectures, right, so dealership networks and many other things for not being able to uh, emulate Tesla's FOD strategy, features on demand strategy, Audi is clearly venturing into the space with its e-tron. Uh, interestingly, Audi will offer a customer um, a choice of features that they can buy after the vehicle is delivered in multiple formats. Free trial for a month, say a month of uh, 99 cents, and monthly and an annual option, subscription options as well. So interestingly, uh, the feature is already built into the car, and the feature on demand payment unlocks a key that makes the feature available. So Audi will remind customers two weeks before the feature subscription expires to either renew or let it go. And all of this uh, will be done through the Audi owner app and not on the dash. So the correct, current lineup of features that we actually see available will, will, will include the matrix LED park assist smartphone package, which is essentially the CarPlay, and a few others the company is expected to add more to the list as well. So what we see is that they're currently restricting it to the e-tron, where the architecture allows them to do this, and there is no word on which other models will kind of get this probably. So this is uh, what we view as uh, some of the features on demand as well as uh, the in-vehicle marketplace that we saw. Currently, even Frost & Solomon is working on uh, consumer research, kind of understanding what is the uptake for this in both the US and Europe. We'll be, we'll be setting out to do this uh, consumer research in due course of time this year. Moving on, let us look at, uh, look at another interesting uh, trend, which is the um, 
which is the CV2X versus DSRC versus the hybrid approach. So that's how we kind of define it because there are a lot of OEMs who are already invested in DSRC. Of course, the, the, the US uh, administration didn't kind of approve what uh, about DSRC, but there's still OEMs kind of working on it currently, right? So DSRC are the Wi-Fi bandwagon. The benefit is V2V application uh, within a given range is achievable. And DSRC is one of the tried and tested solutions. So GM has already heavily invested in this along with the likes of Tesla. And recently even VW joined the bandwagon uh, mentioning the using of usage of DSRC modules on the 2019 or 2020 lineup as well. The US and Japan specifically are the regions who are taking up on the DSRC initiatives. Uh, cellular or 5G based, so CV2X is the new name for the V2X standard. That was initially launched as LTE V2X by respected international mobile communication standards. Um, body, the third generation partnership of the 3GPP. Qualcomm is uh, kind of the leader here with their 9150 chipsets for cellular V2X and most of the telecom network operators are currently lobbying to understand uh, uh, for the implementation of the same. So CV2X is a much younger technology than either DSRC or CITS, and this is still under development, but early tests have shown that the data, data rates that are required for V2X applications um, reaches a range compatible, uh, comparable to DSRC's 300 meters at urban driving speeds, and also achieves, say, say uh, something close to 20, 30% better range at faster speeds. So GM, who had initially invested with uh, Cadillac Super Cruise, uh, is also uh, starting to do trials with um, uh, infrastructure-related vehicles to infrastructure-related applications based on cellular standards. Similar case with Ford, Audi, Honda, and PSA. But of course, uh, this is uh, something this we, that, that we see in this industry is the hybrid version, because uh, most of these OEMs who have already invested in DSRC will not want completely to break down and not use it uh, going forward. So we might see the knitting of these two technologies where you might use DSRC for a particular standard uh, for most of uh, the ADAS functionalities, uh, sorry, uh, with V2X being used for the ADAS functionalities, whereas DSRC could be used for some kind of security updates. So moving on, I'll quickly go through this uh, slide as well, which is the digital assistance, yes. Uh, we have seen, um, of course, like what Krishna mentioned earlier, we saw Amazon Alexa exploding at CES this year. But um, what we understand is that digital assistants can enhance the in-vehicle experience with full conversation to support complex requests. So the results are kind of, uh, but what does it enable, right? Reduce driver distraction and increase features and function available to vo through voice instructions. So the lower learning curve will be there so that you need not, so that the when you add AI into this entire mix, you're not going to have, uh, we, we do not have the digital assistants remember the commands like it was there earlier. So even our recent consumer survey, like uh, where, we, where we sample, say, some about 2,000 uh, participants focused on both US and Europe on the connected car experience, customers' desired levels also revealed that more than 50% of the drivers today in both regions want to use personal assistance in the vehicle. So there are two important facts that um, I'll, I'll just mention and move on is, uh, Microsoft, of course, is looking to be the technology partners to OEM supporting their case initiatives. But the key highlight is here is that when they're bringing in their uh, pieces, uh, such as Cortana and all of that, unlike other technologies companies, right, Microsoft's vision is to complement OEMs by their 
behind the scene, being the behind the scenes partner. So this enables OEMs retain the full control of the user experience as well as branding. While Alexa on the other side, uh, what we had uh, also we saw this, uh, this was quite interesting at CES, is that uh, it was not its pure play Alexa offer, but the showcases by other automotive software integrators like you say Electrobit, uh, who are integrating Alexa deep into the entire manual as well as the automated driving experiences where Alexa is not just your commerce platform or a search or music assistance, but it can warn of dangers that uh, and can be a safety assistant too. And what we are also seeing is that uh, seeing that there is multi VPA capability. That is the meaning of uh, what what does that mean? Is that freedom to use any voice assistant? So through one seamlessly integrated platform, Harman's premium communications are also compatible with the available um, VPA services in the market. So Harman does the integration of different VPAs as well. So in the future, what we could kind of see is that the convergence of personal assistant uh, with the cognitive abilities and the automated driving space. So are likely to be two of the major overarching teams, which will give rise to an unified system with complete control of the vehicle. So we can call it the co-pilot. That will be more like a humanized vehicle companion rather than an accessory here. So which not only will engage with the interior and exterior environment, but also will be synchronous with the automated driving with voice-based in-vehicle controls. So as an, ex as an example, co-pilot will inform occupants of impeding, uh, impeding collisions, malfunctioning systems, choice of navigation routes, all through voice and elaborate displays to interact with. Next, we'll, we'll look at another important trend, uh, which has, uh, in the last couple of years, uh, seen a lot of involvement from OEMs, which is uh, data monetization. So as use case prioritization and the associated applications gain importance, right? So vehicle manufacturers, which are OEMs, they, they kind of need to pilot around established use cases, having the most well-defined ecosystem and business model and work on establishing newer ones with startups or even platform companies like Tonomo, Verisk, uh, Wager and all of that. So, what we see in this market, market is that insurance and maintenance diagnostics related use cases are the most mature use cases in the market currently. So if you look at uh, the, uh, the left-hand side, it kind of highlights all the OEM opportunities. But interestingly, what are the revenue opportunities for OEMs from this case? So when you look at usage-based insurance, right, there are three different models that I will kind of explain in the uh, upcoming slides. But the revenue potential is expected to be higher when the customer data is completely handled by the OEM with the insurance carrier, meaning that the OEM becomes the entire face uh, for, the, uh, for, the, uh, for the insurance, uh, uh, for the customer instead of the insurance provider. In this case, there's more that the OEM can make compared to being um, a data, uh, compared to being um, um, liaising a business model with the data broker directly. The next one, uh, the claims uh, process, which is, uh, first notification of loss. Interestingly, claims process and settlement has always been a cumbersome experience for customers, right? So the insurance companies are kind of focusing on offering UBI that is coupled with uh, connectivity to enable easy and positive claim management process by partnering with companies like Calam and companies like Nexar who provide video footage on this as well. So the revenue opportunity from uh, first notification of loss is nothing but the OEMs got partners with can partner with vendors such as CCC Drive or LexisNexis who are willing to white label their FNOL solutions. 
maintenance and diagnostics are interesting. So the revenue opportunities, what we see are uh, sometimes are triggered from the diagnostics or the health reports and also the prognostics with active selling. Another, uh, another interesting part, uh, which you will see uh, why marketplace is also interesting for, um, for data monetizations is nothing but how OEMs are kind of monetizing this. So how are OEMs monetizing this is nothing but uh, merchant-based transactions. They get a commission from whatever transaction happens with the merchants. There is CPM, which is nothing but uh, the number of clicks or priority app placement on the head unit, and also the GPS and POI-based data triggers, which is something like a low fuel event in this case. Another interesting use case that we see is e-mobility, which is, of course, going to be something like car access-based services, where you will have companies like uh, Volvo and Field who are working on on-demand fueling. Similar case, you'll see somebody providing charging on the move as well going forward. So these are some of the interesting, and as, as I mentioned, UBI, FNOL, and um, maintenance and diagnostics are kind of the most mature use cases in data market currently. But like Krishna mentioned earlier as well, the, the UBI part has still been uh, niche with respect to the take rates as well. Moving on, uh, before I pass it down, to Raj to take us through what Microsoft has to offer in the automotive space. Uh, there are three interesting business models uh, that we see. Just a minute, I think the screen is stuck. Okay, so data consumers like insurance companies, smart city implementers, energy companies, retail companies, all of them have started looking to figure out how data use cases that add value to their customers, right? So uh, as I mentioned, uh, UBI is one of the most mature use cases in the market, which is already resulting in monetary benefits for most of the OEMs, such as uh, GM, uh, Hyundai is working with Reberisk in this case, and all of that. So, um, so the low barrier uh, to entry opportunity for an OEM without having to take the onus of being the liaison or the data handler between the insurer carrier and the customer is what we call as the pure play data share model. And secondly, this is where the OEM shares raw data with the analytics provider for, uh, for, a, for, a, for a fee, and the analytics providers create this scorecard and sell it to the insurance companies. The second stream of revenue share comes once the policy is sold to the customer, so that uh, the data aggregators, analytic vendors will take central role of being the liaison between the insurance carrier and the customer, an ideal for OEMs with limited infrastructure capabilities. The most profitable UBI business model for an OEM is when, as I mentioned, it acts as a liaison between the insurance provider and the customer. For this, is what we, uh, for this, what we need is to what we need to mimic is uh, uh, OEMs like GM that have a large connected vehicle base, necessary IT infrastructure, and a large paid subscriber base. So, one of the other biggest business models, like that, kind of lends itself from the previous slide, is. Uh, the associated benefits with crash, crash reconstruction and the first notification of loss. So each incident reconstructed with the help of vehicle sensor data can fetch somewhere between, say, um, $80 to $100 in this case, which is usually paid out by the insurance com companies because making, claims, uh, because the, making the claims process uh, easier and easy approval for garages becomes an important point for insurance companies. So OEMs, again, they're taking over the FNOL process, will not only improve the customer satisfaction, but also will ease the repair experience, that is, reduce time spent on diagnosing uh, and pulling repair procedures as well. So, so essentially what we see, the FNOL part, the crash reconstruction, where OEM takes the central role of being the liaison between the customer and the insurance comp uh, company is where there's 
more uh, money involved. So quickly, uh, moving on, I, I'll skip the cybersecurity section uh, here and pass it on to Raj to take us through the uh, Microsoft um, Microsoft Teams for the automotive space. Over to you, Raj. Uh, thank you, Narendra. Uh, hello, all. Uh, uh, I'd like to thank Frost and Sullivan for this opportunity. Uh, I'm Raj Paul with Microsoft, and uh, I'm part of the automotive industry team, and I'm focused on the Americas. Uh, most of my professional life has been in automotive, most specifically around uh, the connected vehicle space. So some of the information I will be sharing probably might be a little bit repetitive to what uh, Krishna and Niranjan shared, but uh, uh, I would lead into how we look at the space and what we're doing in the space uh, to close my conversation. Um, like to open a conversation, this conversation with a nice quote from uh, Adam Jonas uh, from uh, Morgan Stanley. Um, it really summarizes what we see happening and what we see coming uh, uh, from a disruption standpoint in the industry. Right? I mean, uh, we see uh, electric cars take, I mean, having quite a bit of momentum now, right? So take the internal combustion engine out. And then if you look at the dealer model, I mean, uh, uh, not sure I'll agree the take out the dealer part of it, but in general, the way dealerships are evolving from a car buying process is happening as well, right? And the whole car ownership model, that obviously is going through a huge transformation. So this really summarizes what our industry is going through. It's a pr pretty nice, humorous, insightful uh, statement uh, which he made, uh, which I thought I'll use to get uh, started on this presentation. Um, so the next one, I mean, from an industry statistic standpoint, uh, you would have seen uh, all kinds of numbers which analysts are projecting within the next uh, 10 to 20 years. Uh, the point I like to drive here is, uh, so there are four themes we use just to show the transformation which is happening in our industry. I mean, I like to start with the whole uh, uh, shared ride model. Right? Uh, a personal experience, I have a sophomore in college. Uh, when he was in high school, I mean, I, I remember when I was in high school how I tried to uh, get behind the wheels. Uh, the interest level which my sophomore had uh, was I had to convince him that he had to get a license. Right? I mean, the millennial model uh, preference has changed quite a bit now where uh, the whole need to know car driving is being questioned. Right? I mean, obviously now the convenience with uh, uh, car sharing providers uh, provide is one reason, but then the millennials are a lot different as well. So this is obviously influencing uh, our industry in a very big way. Uh, so, so if you look at some of the prediction from uh, uh, some of our partners, uh, around 32% of the miles driven on new cars will be shared rights. I mean, we see that disruption happening today in our day-to-day -day lives. Uh, the next one I like to highlight is uh, connected vehicle itself. Um, GM was the first OEM to say they're going to provide 100% connectivity, I mean, using their OnStar service, and it's a mature offer which has been there in the, in the market for quite some time. But if you look at pretty much every other OEM, they are going through the same transformation now where connectivity is no more something, an optional thing which they want to look at. So. Uh, the prediction is that pretty much every OEM will connect every car going forward. Uh, and some of them are also looking at an aftermarket solution to keep that 100% connectivity. Um, autonomous, I mean, obviously there's a lot of buzz around autonomous, and we see every OEM uh, focusing on the autonomous development part of it. Um, some of them have very aggressive plans on when they want to get to market, but regardless, we see that disruption coming, and that will help with some of the uh, disruptive and emerging uh, business models as well. Uh, last but not the least is electrification. Um, I, I look at this as a second uh, 
uh, or a renewed lease for electrification. I mean, pretty much, again, most OEMs have a very strong, mature uh, electric car program uh, to bring more electric cars to the market. I mean, it's not just the Teslas of the world, but I mean, it's pretty much most OEMs are coming out with mature products, and some are even looking at uh, I mean, providing a platform uh, for others to develop on as well. Uh, the interesting statistics here is, I mean, uh, India and China are supposed to take the lead in this, where uh, the electrification is going to be a lot more by 2030. I mean, again, these are all predictions just to show the industry transformation we're going through. From an emerging trend standpoint, I think uh, Krishna and uh, Niranjan did a great job uh, I mean, summarizing what they see in the market. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, their expertise in that space and uh, really value their input. Uh, in general, the way we look at I mean, I just picked the top 10 industry trends we are seeing there, right? I mean, the first one is uh, our market started off connecting cars, right? I mean, it's all about the car. How can I control the car? How can I do things remotely from the car? How can I do safety security services? But now if you look at it, the whole thing is about the customer is in the center. How can I redefine the customer experience, right? I mean, uh, average customer spends a lot of time in the car. So how can I define that experience for the customer inside the car, outside the car, at the dealership? So we see a lot of transformation uh, activities in the space. So the next one is, I mean, cost optimization. I mean, I'm sure every OEM is looking at how can we optimize from a cost optimization standpoint. Industry 4.0 or factory of the future. Um, trying to streamline their supply chain and uh, uh, manufacturing processes is something which we see a very good traction happening in the market now. And um, this is not something new. This has been in there for a very long time. I mean, a lot of great IoT use cases exist, specifically in the automotive world from a manufacturing standpoint. We see that happening as well. Um, I already talked about electrical adoption. I mean, uh, we, we are going to see more and more electric cars come in, and obviously the infrastructure required to uh, support these cars are going to play a very big role as well, and those are going to generate very interesting use cases, the whole electric infrastructure uh, being built in the country. Um, all roads lead to autonomous. Uh, I think I, I talked a little bit about it. I mean, the autonomous development part of it, I mean, every OEM is... Uh, focusing and spending a uh, lot of time and energy, not just OEMs, but the the tier one supplier base as well to support this initiative. So we see quite a big adoption in the space. Um, Niranjan briefly talked about digital assistance. Um, we see this becoming very pervasive. I mean, uh, either using our offering uh, or homegrown offering or our competitor offering. Uh, this is going to play a very big role from an in-vehicle standpoint because it's a very nice channel to basically deliver services to the car. I mean, voice assistance purely from a voice standpoint has been in the car for a long time. But how to bring it all together in a nice personal contextual thing, uh, we see digital assistance going to play a very big role. Right? I mean, it's uh, uh, if I mean a good use case, which I've talked in my earlier on talks, I mean, a few years back is, when I get into my car, why shouldn't my car know that I'm going to be late to my next meeting because of traffic, weather, or all the usual things. And why can't it basically help me I mean, inform the participants in that meeting that I'm going to be late? It's a very simple use case to really consider, but that's a very nice personal thing which will go a long way with the customer. So we see uh, a digital assistant playing a very big role in use cases like that as well. Next one, entertainment and productivity on the go. I mean, there's a lot of focus on productivity, but with the advent of 5G and autonomous, we see entertainment and uh, uh, other ways to engage the customer playing a center theme as well.
Um, we talked about connectivity becoming a standard. I mean, uh, uh, it's no more an option. I mean, I mean, OnStar started off with a nice subscription model, but what we see now is, uh, regardless of the business model to support connectivity, we'll see OEMs connecting the cars for a lot of different reasons, which I'll, I'll highlight in the future slides. Um, another interesting observation is cloud adoption, right? I mean, I'm not trying to say this because uh, we have a very nice Azure platform. But in general, I mean, for a lot of reasons now, the cloud-connected car is becoming a reality. So we see OEMs a lot open to cloud adoption, and you'll see a lot of announcements in this regard, I mean, around what we have to offer with our competition as well. So the cloud is going to play a very big role in the connected car space. Um, business models, amazingly new, interesting business models are coming out. I mean, the number of players, startups getting involved in this ecosystem is very encouraging for our industry. Uh, last but not the least, monetization. Now I have this increased spend. Great, I'm going to build a sticky relationship with my customer. Great, I'm going to connect with my customer better. The car product as a product is going to get built. But how do I monetize some of this? So there's a lot of talks and discussions about how the monetization is going to happen. I think Niranjan gave a very big, very nice uh, summary of uh, how they see in the market. So more to come on this subject. So the whole automotive ecosystem, I mean, this is getting redefined is the way I would put it. Um, you know, a good example, I would say, there are so many new entrants in this ecosystem now, I mean, from startups to infrastructure providers to whatnot. A good example, I would say, is, I mean, there's quite a bit of talk about smart city integration. Um, if you just stick with one simple use case, autonomous cars, just imagine autonomous cars in the future getting into a city which is already congested and has its own challenges and now needs parking. So we'll see, I mean, there are a lot of new interesting uh, players like smart cities, I mean, that's just one example, coming into this ecosystem who are trying to essentially redefine this ecosystem. Uh, but some of the interesting challenges which, which OEMs and tier ones and technology providers like us are looking at is, uh, how do I essentially build a configurable or upgradable vehicle platform? I mean, over that update, is something which everybody talks about, but how do I essentially build a platform which can be managed using uh, over that updates? Or from a monetization standpoint, I mentioned, how do I essentially monetize a lot of, uh, a lot of the investments I'm making? I mean, uh, but also from an ecosystem standpoint, every participant has got a role to play and everybody's looking at, okay, what role can I play and how can I essentially monetize uh, the role I'm playing? Um, jump to the next slide. Uh, to getting into how we look at automotive. Um, our approach to automotive, uh, I think, is pretty unique uh, in this space. I mean, one is uh, we believe in uh, complementing uh, the OEM and suppliers, not compete. Uh, we are not in the business of building cars. Uh, I mean, I think Niranjan put it in a very nice way, our VA strategy, our virtual assistant strategy. We are the technology provider who brings in the necessary technology and building blocks for the OEM to essentially define uh, the experience and uh, brand as they want. Right? Uh, another unique thing is we believe the OEM owns the data of their product. So we ensure the data is always under their control and we don't want to own the data. Uh, last but not the least is we strongly believe that the OEM gets to define the brand and customer experience, it's their customer, and we are there to enable that for them. So that's our uh, 
core key tenants, which you'll see me talking quite a bit in my slides as well. So coming into what we we offer, I mean, uh, we, we have, I mean, if, if you look at from a cloud connectivity standpoint or cloud standpoint, we talked about, okay, customer first. So how do you deliver customer-centric systems? I mean, what technologies are needed? So how do you go to market first without worrying about scale, right? Go to market and scale is something, an afterthought, uh, and we, we basically want to make it happen where scale is not something which OEM should worry about. Or how do you deal with everything connected and car just being on another node of the network? So our intelligent cloud and intelligent edge is essentially there to enable some of these challenges or address some of these challenges for the OEM. So, I mean, uh, I mean, our CEO, Satya, I mean, puts it this in a very nice way, right? I mean, we call it ubiquitous computing or computing everywhere, right? I mean, it's a very nice statement. I mean, I mean, uh, if you really think about it, just look at the amount of computing we experience on our day-to-day -day lives, right? Right from the smartphone we carry or all the connected assets we encounter on our day-to-day -day life. So how do you essentially make this connectivity work seamlessly for the end customer? Right. I mean, uh, our Azure uh, uh, line of uh, offerings, I mean, right from starting with Azure or Azure Stack or uh, coming to the intelligent IoT Edge or Sphere. So we provide the complete seamless uh, distributed computing fabric using uh, Azure uh, so that a lot of the things which OEMs and Tier 1s and the customers are trying to do is seamlessly possible without worrying about where the computer is going to happen. Um, the addressable market in the automotive space is huge. I mean, uh, if you look at the transformation we talked about, it's going to need a lot of interesting challenges all to come together and play in unison. Uh, so our go-to-market when it comes to these is, I mean, from a technology stack standpoint, we have a lot to offer, uh, but purely from an automotive standpoint, uh, the first uh, solution area which we're focusing on is the connected vehicle space. Uh, lot of interesting things here. I mean, helping customers, our OEMs, uh, connect the vehicles. But then uh, all the services which make the whole connected vehicle possible, location-based services or in-vehicle uh, uh, productivity or uh, digital assistance uh, or even basic telematic services or embedded suites, uh, OTA. So we have a slew of offerings in this space uh, to enable the journey for the customer. And uh, we are a partner-led company, so we have a very rich partner ecosystem whose solution plays a very big role for us to address the space as well. The next one is autonomous development. Uh, the need for uh, uh, compute is very important when it comes to autonomous development, whether you're sim for, from a simulation standpoint or a huge data ingest standpoint and whatnot. So this is one of our uh, core focus areas, and uh, this is... Uh, uh, something which every OEM is looking at, okay, how can I essentially leverage the cloud uh, for scale, burst, uh, and so that I can do uh, a lot of interesting, I mean, from a simulation standpoint and uh, from an autonomous development standpoint so that I can cut my overall uh, development timeline. So this is another focus area for us. Uh, the next one is smart mobility. Uh, I mean, you would have heard quite a bit about mobility services, OEMs transforming to uh, mobility service providers or transportation as a service and whatnot. So we have a lot of the interesting building blocks in this space. I mean, one of our I mean core areas which uh, we'll done uh, will will have a lot of experience over the years is the public sector space. I mean, in smart city space. So as I uh, initially touched upon, there's going to be a lot of intersection between the smart city. Uh, 
evolution which has been happening and how that will intersect in the automotive space. So we have a lot of interesting solutions to offer from an automotive standpoint in this space. Uh, the next one, sales and marketing. Uh, this might appear as a bread and butter thing for a very long time from an industry standpoint. But we think now as the whole buying experience is getting redefined, uh, we have nice technology to help the dealerships and the OEMs to essentially connect with the customer much better and build a nice tricky relationship. Uh, so this is another focus area. Another one I talked about, Industry Ford Auto and the factory of the future. Uh, IoT is a huge focus area for us. And uh, we have solutions and technology again here to help the OEM uh, uh, optimize their uh, supply chain. Uh, last but not the least, I mean, emerging technologies. Uh, a good example is quantum compute. So this is a huge investment area as well. So as OEMs look at solving some of the uh, transportation's problem, I mean, the, these use cases are very natural for quantum compute. So that we have offerings in that space as well. So these are our focus solution areas. Just to highlight, I didn't want this to be a sales slide, but just to some of the recent announcements we've had with, uh, and again, this is not, uh, the intention of the slide is not to showcase everything which is going on in the industry. I just handpicked a few. Uh, some of the recent announcements we made with VW, helping VW build their automotive cloud, or BMW, uh, helping them build their mobility cloud, uh, the recent announcement with Daimler and uh, Grab. Uh, these are all some of the examples to show our automotive focus and how our solution areas, which I, uh, presented in my previous slide, uh, plays a big role. Uh, that's all I had. Um, thank you, Narendra. Great. Thank you, uh, Raj. Thank you, Raj. Thank you so much. Uh, again, um, a great presentation on, on Microsoft's perspective on automotive. Um, so with that, let's just move to the last slide from our side uh, this morning or afternoon or evening. So the five things that uh, potentially we as Frost and Sullivan want everyone uh, who's, who's attending to take away is, is the first thing that marketplace, you know, the data-fueled data application of retail bringing consumer brands from outside the car inside the car. And this is going to happen in more than 70% of new vehicles sold in the U.S. From, we will see this from 2020 onwards because we will see major announcements coming in this space with the obviously GM leading already. Uh, we'll have the other brands, other big names in the industry uh, supporting this team. Um, companies to watch out for, obviously, a lot of uh, participants in this space nowadays, uh, but uh, the, the ones right now are, are P97, uh, Zivo, even here in Europe, Tantalum Corporation and a few. So we have uh, done quite a bit of work around this, more than glad to have a chat offline as well. Uh, second one um, is, is that uh, right now it does seem like a premium uh, manufacturer conversation about feature on demand, but essentially this is going to be the way forward. And functional upgrades of a car is going to be based on, on how exactly are you planning the firmware over the air upgrades. What would be the future of this? Uh, would we see a, a, a family a picnic package towards you know, a weekend scenario where for $50, you know, you can off-road, a, a car which is normal could off-road itself. You have the horsepower increase. You have dedicated media consumption packages for the children behind who could sit inside the car. Or perhaps what Niranjan mentioned earlier, uh, office environment. You could conduct a virtual meeting, briefing, let's say Skype on demand since we also have Raj on the line. So, so we have, you know, these features coming in, uh, which could be just potentially $10 or $15 or probably based on one-time one usage. Um, 
digital assistance, like I said, is, is going to be not convenience, but more. Uh, we are going to transact inside the car. And uh, I often talk about, you know, Apple, uh, not, not, not only because of their success in the consumer electronics domain, but imagine uh, what they did with fingerprint and face recognition, creating a biometric which authenticates a payment today that most of us use. Now imagine that inside a car, you know, which biometric is going to become the biggest. Voice recognition has the biggest potential. Now, coming to the fourth one, uh, V2X, it's still, uh, you know, it seems like a very regional philosophy. China towards cellular, uh, Japan as DSRC, um, US started off with DSRC, now running a little bit of cellular trials itself. But uh, it's going to be very indicative of the fact that, uh, you know, the agencies and the regulators have to come together and put a standpoint so that there could be a common integrity between these cars. And meanwhile, while we do this, the companies who exist in the hybrid space, which could make potentially in a very uh, layman's term, make two cars talk irrespective of different standards, are going to be the winners in the near term. The last one, obviously, data, data and more data. Now, we are talking about monetization, we are talking about security, we've, we've done a lot of work around how different use cases will pop up, UBI, first notification of loss, a couple of them, but smart city, retail, finance, um, and, and, and the likes, which will pop up in the future, and we could possibly see the average value of, of data coming from the car rise up and up and increasing number of customers. So watch out for a lot of companies like Autonomo, Vijo, and, and the likes in the space who are you know, in the space to develop these kind of solutions. So with that, I would like to conclude uh, today's presentation. Uh, again, thank you everyone for joining. Uh, I would pass it on to Anna. And more than like to take any questions that the audience has, please feel free to write to us. Um, more than open to take the, taking those questions. Uh, Anna, over to you. I guess uh, Anna's got some uh, uh, Connectivity issues are probably uh, she's on mute. I'm not here. I'm not listening. Uh, any questions? Okay. Feel free to kind of type into the uh, chat that is available. All right. So I've got. Uh, I, I see this couple of questions popping up. I have the first one. I think and and, and I can shoot this over directly to Raj. This one looks specifically for you. Um, the the question is, Raj, uh, what is Microsoft's uniqueness with digital assistance, and uh, what are the way forward? What are your strategies with, with, uh, with digital assistance and personal assistance? Uh, so people, I mean, I'm, I'm sure are very familiar with Cortana. So as, when it comes to automotive, we believe the OEMs own the brand experience, the OEM owns the data, and the OEM... Uh, gets to define all that. So what we have done with our virtual assistant strategy is we're giving all the building blocks what is required for an OEM uh, to build an assistant, a white label solution. And uh, so every piece of technology they'll ever need, uh, been including AI and whatnot, is all bundled together, what we call as virtual assistant. Uh, so that's going to be our go-to-market strategy to help the OEMs as opposed to putting Cortana on the front. Great. And I see another one which has come for data monetization. Now, the question is, uh, what are the futuristic use cases that we would see for data monetization? Um, we have spoken about a few. What will be the way forward and what could be the average value of data coming from cars? 
I'll I'll have a go at that, Krishna. You you can also add in uh, once um, I'm I'm done with some of the points that I had in mind. So uh, that's actually a great question. Uh, we get asked that most of the times with most of the OEMs and tier one suppliers, and also even uh, data as a service providers like Vejo, Mark, um, um, Tonomo, Verisk, asking us, hey, where do you see opportunity for us? So primarily, like I mentioned, uh, UBI, uh, first notification of loss, diagnostics, marketplace, in-vehicle marketplace, which is both, um, um, what do you say, contextual driven from the dash and also access-based services like Amazon Key or what Volvo is doing with Filled and also e-mobility uh, would be most of the short-term use cases. Um, um, I know the question was long-term, but still uh, essentially setting the stage for the short-term use cases. Of course, there are still the various different business model options for both UBI, first notification of loss, diagnostics, and all of that. Uh, still, the marketplace where you will see a bare minimum of $30 uh, per, uh, per car um, for a year or something from uh, UBI business models and somewhere between 20, uh, 10 to $20 for first notification of loss and same 10 to 15 for, for diagnostic-related kind of uh, um, services. But marketplace, it's kind of different because it's more contextual and it is kind of, uh, it works around uh, the transactions, also the impressions. So that is, uh, it is very usage-based as well. And uh, moving on, probably the, uh, Anonymized data use cases, right? For example, like parking, where data which helps detect free parking spots in the city, uh, road safety, where data about road safety which helps detect unsafe scenarios. For example, icy roads, risky roads with more accidents, especially a place like Michigan where you're, uh, you're hit with snow or bad weather most of the time, uh, at least for six months of the year. And of course, when you're looking at smart city, things like uh, data about cities transportation, which helps, for example, in detecting uh, busy roads, improving traffic-like durations, and also this feeds into something like uh, the mobility as a service where it kind of uh, helps you work around the last mile connectivity bit. So these are some of the interesting use cases that we are seeing, and of course, uh, for the current or the uh, for next three to four or five years, you will see those use cases like UBI, FNOL, Marketplace still uh, making ground and trying to make those ecosystems more tangible. But parking, safe, uh, smart cities, road safety, and even things like car paths uh, where anonymized data, which helps tier one and tier two detect their part performance will all be some of the interesting use cases which will lend themselves directly to OEM monetization benefits and also the related ecosystem partners. Great. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Nuranjan. And just a couple of uh, use cases that I might like to add from my side are, are the HD mapping uh, side of things, which could be very interesting proposition, and road sign uh, data as well, which could possibly be collected through the cars once they are sensor or camera equipped. So quite, quite a big potential. So I have a few more questions that have popped up, really interesting ones. Uh, so the first one that is in my list is, mm, okay, you mentioned service or feature packages that consumers will pay for. Do you think cybersecurity is also something that OEMs might be able to charge consumers for? Uh, Niranjan, any thoughts on that? Or Oh, perfect. Uh, I'll take that one as well. Um, yes, so it'll, like I mentioned, features on demand. So in case when you're enabling the in-vehicle marketplace, uh, kind of features or car access based features, which is actually with respect to uh, making the environment cyber secure, it will be uh, part of the entire, uh, what do you say, the 
suite that's going to be offered to the end user, probably the end user will already come into the fact knowing that an OEM is providing me a cyber secure solution because you're talking, uh, you're talking in vehicle payments, right? So in that case, buying a cyber secure package would be an option, but probably I won't think that that will not be a great seller compared to making it a standard across both of the vehicles. Because when you look at the first initial transactions, people would like to, because it's going to be the card details, it's going to be voice authentication and all of that. In that related uh, scenarios, you will have the uh, the entire solution, which is already cyber safe. But when you're talking autonomous, probably that entire uh, landscape will change because you're going to have the, uh, it's it's again going to be embedded into the vehicle cost. It's going to be because you have ECU, um, um, ECU's protection, you have uh, all of that taken into consideration. Absolutely, and I completely agree. I think uh, security will be built in as a part and parcel of a technology when we say, for example, voice recognition comes secure. And to openly be transparent with the customer, you know, it will be similar where you say, I'm powering connectivity service, would you pay for a telematics control unit, which absolutely becomes impossible in this case. So that's why it will be amortized with a part of a technology or a bigger package, and that is how it should be or it would be charged in the future. I have one which is coming from the data side. Possibly Raj could take a stab at this. Uh, so I have this question which says, with all these third parties having access to people's data, how concerned are manufacturers about data breaches and security of this data and the damage this could potentially cause to their reputation? And how secure will date, this data set be? Raj, any thoughts on that? Um, so I I wouldn't think all third parties will have unrestricted access to people's data. I mean, end of the day, the privacy plays a big role here. Right? I mean, I mean you have GPDR requirements and whatnot. Uh, I mean, I I will probably answer it from a technology standpoint. So there are solutions to make sure uh, uh, data access is uh, controlled and restricted. Uh, but I mean, that's a technology answer I like to give. But the bigger answer is I don't think. Uh, uh, I, I don't see where people's data is going to be up there for grabs by third parties uh, to monetize. I mean, it's going to be a lot regulated, or uh, and each OEM will probably define how they want to deal with this, um, uh, depending on their locale and depending on their strategy as well. I mean, I was talking to one of the OEMs uh, who generally, I mean, one of the customers, the things UBI is a differentiator for them and not a monetization thing for them. So some of those uh, outlooks will play a role as well, how data is monetized or used. Thank you. Thank you, Raj. Um, we've got quite a number of questions, I think, but keeping the time in mind, um, there is a question that says, could you name some companies to watch in the connected car space, uh, either the established names or new innovators? Uh, so uh, so I, I, I can take a first stab on this. Obviously, uh, Raj and uh, Niranjan, please feel free to join in. But uh, we, we are talking about a very broad market here. Uh, so obviously, when when you talk about connectivity, uh, I think the the usual big tier one names that we have in the space are successful. Obviously, are Harman and there's there's the like of likes of um, uh, Continental, Visteon, and and all the traditional tier ones in the space. In the new ecosystem space, like I said, I think few companies which are very interesting are are Vigio, Autonomo. Uh, there there's Tantalum Corporation, which is a UK based company. I recently had a contract with AT&T in the US. Um, also. Quite some interesting companies in the cybersecurity space, the likes of you know SafeRide. Uh, also, you know, a new uh, a company that I personally was talking to was MDGo, uh, who 
add in a layer of intelligence on top of crash reconstruction so that the impact on the passenger could be noted as well. So uh, uh, we've done quite a bit of research around uh, you know, new companies in this space. I'll be more than glad to elaborate them in an email uh, you know, rather than a chat, but more than glad to do that. Any thoughts, Niranjan and Raj, on, on the n n n number of companies that you think to watch out for in this space? Raj, you want to take a go at that? Uh, it's a pretty big ecosystem. I mean, I mean, I don't want to highlight one versus the other. I mean, uh, uh, a lot of new entrants in this space. I mean, I think uh, probably might be more relevant for you guys to chat your perspective. Sure. Um, just my two cents. Uh, the, the very fact that we spend so much time on this market here is that uh, a very, very interesting company uh, Krishna mentioned as well. But uh, some, my only thought, because I, I, I go with the fact that, okay, not one company is going to engulf the entire connected car space, because as Krishna and Raj mentioned, that it's a huge uh, space for one person to handle, actually, one company to handle. But the only uh, point I, I would I kind of bring to the table is the company that kind of helps the OEM who are also making cars and also are going to be uh, more uh, helpful for technology companies to also play an important part together. Uh, the integration of all the uh, all the bits and pieces of the connected car technologies into one unified ecosystem is, uh, I would say, it, it brings all hands together uh, for making this uh, market successful. There's no one company that's going to win over the other. It's going to be a collaborated effort. And that company that enables the OEMs to do their jobs to sell the cars and also make sure the customer's data is safe and also both of them uh, on either side of the ecosystem is going to be uh, prioritized for revenue share. That's the way I see the, the ecosystem of the connected world going forward. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Niranjan. Uh, we do have uh, quite, a, quite a bit of questions here, but I think, you know, keeping the time in mind, let me just quickly, you know, uh, uh, tell the respondents that we have these questions in our hand. The first I have in my hand is, is about Tesla, uh, how exactly they're ahead of the curve, uh, but uh, how can other companies can be better than Tesla? I can take this offline, do um, you, you could see my email ID. I could respond this in detail about uh, the strategies that Tesla's taking and what we think about the market. The next one uh, that we have here is uh, how can car companies uh, make their business models better and bigger? What will be the future? Now, this is a very interesting question and, again, a very vast question to take because, uh, obviously, you know, we are talking about subscription models and connectivity, which have been there, like Raj mentioned earlier about OnStar, how they price it, or you know, other OEMs, uh, how an HMI or hardware plus software and then services do sell on top of it. Uh, but eventually, uh, if, if, if uh, you know, there is an option of pay-as-you-go, uh, it might be an interesting proposition for the customer. Which brings me to another quick point uh, before I conclude the session today is the fact that um, one of you guys have mentioned that the, the cars do need hardware when we talk about feature on demand. It's not just the software switching on and off, which is completely agreeable. Uh, obviously, you know, you would not as an OEM want to build a car, a car top spec and then sell it for a lesser amount so that depending on the customer, will, it, will, it, will they really uh, subscribe to certain services or not? So that, that is why we see two staged options. Uh, obviously, not every component could be spec'd up to the levels that we've seen, but something which could be amortized as a part and parcel of the car. You know, a classic example that we usually talk 
talk about is Tesla, how a 60 kilowatt could be powered into a 75 uh, based on the extra battery storage that, that this car has done. But eventually, you know, even for example, if you have buy an ADAS package uh, today, and uh, you could potentially power it to drive itself either on a highway or even in the urban environment in the future, just by unlocking, but, but the person has actually paid for the hardware themselves, uh, creates an opportunity. So the hardware could essentially uh, open up 10 different services out of which two or three could be switched on and off and the others given as standard. But this is, is more on the lines on how OEMs want to package their solution. And uh, we'll see more around this. That is why I think the last point that I would like to mention is that we are doing a research a voice of customer to hear from the customers directly if they would like these packages and what would be their willingness to purchase these services inside the car. So stay tuned, and I would say that thank you so much for joining again. It was a great pleasure for all of us to present together on this pedestal. You have our contact information, and if you have any questions for Raj, we, we are more than glad to take it up, and we would push the questions and get some clarity for you guys. So once again, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this platform, and you have a great day. Great day. Great day. Great day.